Hello, friends. Welcome aboard the Round Trip Stories podcast, where we share stories of moving around the world and back again, reflecting on the lessons we've learned along the way. My name is Melissa. And my name is Tracy, and we are so glad you're joining us for today's episode. Welcome back to part two of our interview with Melissa Enns, bilingual teacher, passionate learner, leader, and lover of people, and mother of three. She and her young family became church capacity builders in Peru. And in our last episode, she shared stories about what she loved and what was hard while living there. In this episode, Melissa describes seeing signposts of everyone and everything not thriving as it should. So she and her husband made the decision to return to the U.S. before their assignment was supposed to be up. This made their transition back a painful one. What helped was a conference to process their return with others, Melissa recognizing her own grief cycle, going to therapy, and building new friendships. Melissa compassionately shares her story so that others know that, quote, jumping into a new culture or jumping back into an old culture is going to take your breath away. So buckle your seatbelts and make sure your tray tables and seats are in their upright positions as part two of Melissa's round trip story gets ready for takeoff. All right, Melissa, now we want to hear about your repatriation stories. How did those go? And let's start with, just give us a little background about when and why you left and had to return, and, and also how old your kids were when you came back. Um, wh- where did you land, um, and what did you do at that point? And then what are you doing now? We moved back to Fresno in May of 2014, and my daughter at that point was 13, uh, and the boys were 10 and 6. And we moved back um, a few months prior to what originally would have been scheduled um, based on when our first term was supposed to end um, because we wanted to have the summer to kind of get readjusted a little bit before school started. And then I homeschooled for a year and then I got a job as a tutor at a charter school and did that part-time for a year. And then I did something else the next year. And then I did something else the year after that. And somewhere in the middle of all that, I met you. And um, we got to connect when I was working at that charter school. But I kept doing different things. And then finally, these last few years, I got to have, I think, three years in a row working for a different school. Yes. Where I worked with homeschool families and got to work with you again. And um, so teaching has still been kind of throughout in different ways what I've been doing. And right now I am a a tutor and I work with homeschool kids, um, helping them with reading and math. And and I'm involved in our church. And my husband ended up getting a job at a nonprofit here in Fresno where he was the director that worked with um, Southeast Asian families primarily. And so that was an interesting change to go from Latin Peruvian culture to Southeast Asian culture. And um, yeah, that was, well, it was, it was provision from God. So, but why and why we came back? um, That's the tricky question, really. We, when we moved to Peru, the goal was actually to be there for 10 years. And because that was our, our mission agency at that point sent people out for like really short-term things or like long-term missionaries went for like you basically signed up for 10 years and so that's what we kind of thought we were doing and we went 
And we tried to put down roots and tried to get established in such a way that we would be able to last for, you know, multiple terms and, you know, come back and visit the States and, um, you know, visit people and then go back again, you know, multiple times. But while we were there, um, you know, kind of, I don't know if it's similar to how God didn't sign off on our plan to, you know, when we first got married and we thought we knew how things were going to go. I don't right. know if I could say, you know, I don't know. It, I don't know if it's the same or not, but, you know, we went thinking we were going to be gone there for a long time and it just, it didn't work out that way. We had some, there were difficulties kind of on every side and really, um, you know, this goes into the next question, which is sort of about the transition, because I can't talk about our transition back without talking about why we had to come back. Okay. And kind of how we transitioned back is very much affected by how excruciating the decision was to come back in the first place. wasn't what we had planned. It wasn't what we had wanted to do. And, um, but we just kept feeling like it was probably what we were supposed to do. And, you know, at one point we even made a pros and cons list and, or not pros and cons, but like made a list of all the like different things that could be signposts. Like what's the health of our marriage? Like what's the health Mm. of our kids, you know, um, emotionally, how is the work going? How is homeschooling going? How is our, you know, just like kind of looking at all of these different sort of markers and kind of going, okay, so for this particular category, does this point towards us staying longer or does this point towards us moving back to California? And I think that every single thing on the list, except for maybe one, was pointing towards moving back to California. Um, in the middle of that season, when we were trying to figure out what, you know, what to do, we had been there at this point for almost two years. And um, our youngest son, who at that point would have been six, but he got sick. He got um, E. coli. And I think he also oh, wow. ended up getting treated for typhoid at some point. But he oh, ended wow. up being hospitalized. Um, and it was it was a really scary, awful experience. He was in the hospital for, I think, three days, at least two nights. And, um, so, so yeah, there was just a lot of stuff that just ended up being really hard. And so we finally decided that we needed to move back, that that was what we were supposed to do. And so, um, so when we came back, we, we were just, we were so broken and Mm. just so hurting because we had to say goodbye to so many people that we loved dearly. Mm -hmm. And we went to a, a debrief and um, debrief and renewal, DAR was what it was called, um, retreat kind of thing in Colorado with other missionaries and people that had been working overseas. And it didn't matter if they had just barely come back or if they had been back for a couple of years. It was just a place for people to come and process. And okay. it was it was such a gift because we were with other people that had been um you know, gone through similar situations. And also we were people that weren't going to, 
like we weren't part of each other's worlds. So we could share honestly with each other and um, without worrying about how it was going to affect our relationships moving forward or, mm-hmm. you know, or, you know, they know this other person that we are talking about or whatever. Mm-hmm. Like it just was a safe, safe place. And I remember one day sitting in one of the meetings, there were these giant picture windows on the back of the room and that I was facing. And there were these train tracks not too far in the distance away from the building that we were in. And this particular day, there was this train moving slowly along those tracks and it was carrying these giant pieces of something. And I was looking at it, trying to figure out what in the world is on those train cars. This was like flatbed with some, these giant things. I was like, what are those? And I finally realized they were the pieces for a wind turbine. Like, you know, the big Mm -hmm. wind, like the giant, you know, they look like fans, but they're, you know, wind generators, Uh turbine things, Uh whatever that, um, and I don't know where it was going. I don't know where it was coming from, but it was, it would had been taken apart and it was being moved on this train from one place to another. And I, and as I was watching it, I just felt like that was such a poignant metaphor for how I felt like we were at that point. Like we had just been dismantled and Uh yet we were being transported from one place to another and we were going to be put back together again. Hmm. Just like that fan was going somewhere and it was going to be put back together for a purpose. And um, so that's that's one of my stories. Oh, about I, my I love that story. Transition. There's a lot yeah. of hope in that story. I mean, mm-hmm. that journey on the train where you have fallen apart, is, <laughs> it could be a long journey or it could be a short journey, but the end is the same where you're, you're back together again, you're functioning, you're, you have a, 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 a important purpose in right. where you are. There might still be breakdowns and maintenance that, well, there will still be breakdowns and maintenance. Yes. That need, Parts that, <laughs> that need, need to be to happen, replaced. But, yeah. <laughs> Screws but, that are loose. <laughs> <laughs> but we can be put back together again. Yes. It's, yeah. It's, yeah. it's good. Melissa, is there anything else you want to talk about said, um, in your transition that was difficult? Yeah, so I think that um, <laughs> the other one of the other big things that was difficult was not only was I processing all of my own um, emotions and grief and confusion, but I was also the mom, and I was still hmm. trying to then help my kids navigate what just happened. We had a golden retriever that we got um, in Peru when we had been there for maybe three months when he was a puppy oh he was adorable and he was brilliant and he was like a therapy dog that we didn't even know that we needed and that we didn't even realize we had and we had to leave him behind and Uh, that's hard that was just awful like there's just no other way to describe that except it was horrible 
So the kids, of course, they missed they missed Capitan so much. It was hard to readjust, and um, our daughter had developed some health issues while we were down there that she maybe had had even before we went that we just didn't know about. Um, okay. And, you know, we kind of naively hoped that maybe moving back, some of those things would just resolve, and they didn't. And okay. in some cases, things kept getting worse. And so... Um, I would say that, yeah, figuring out how to navigate our new kind of mental health challenges um, that we were all facing were hard. But one of the things that helped me realize the importance of the mental health piece um, was when we were when we were at that retreat in Colorado, they talked about how when you live in another country, it's easy to lose your sense of what's normal like you are under so much stress because of the challenges of being in a different culture, not having your normal support system mm-hmm. around you. And um, like, no matter how comfortable you get in another place, there are still going to be things that are different for you, for you than there are for the people that just grew up there. Like, it's just, there's no way of avoiding the, there, that there is extra stress. And so you don't necessarily even know how bad was it or how bad is it because you don't know what to compare to anymore. Mm. So how would you, I mean, what, what advice would you give to people to help them understand what's normal or help them to understand what's normal, healthy, what mm. are normal, healthy mental states, right? <laughs> if you want to go into mm. that. <laughs> yeah, that's a good, that's a good question, which maybe, maybe that leads to my neck to the other question of, you know, something that's helped yeah. since then or then. And I would say therapy is really, <laughs> is really helpful. It's lovely. Um, <laughs> you know, I actually think whether it's a professional therapist or whether it's just another person, you know, it's so different now with um, Zoom and, you know, being able to do video conferencing with people. We did a little bit of Skype while we were there, but it wasn't as good. And it just wasn't, it wasn't as natural. Like we just didn't think to do it all the time Mm -hmm. back then. And I think that maybe connecting with people back in your home country and even connecting with, you know, whether it's just other people or coaches or therapists or whoever, but talking to other people and kind of telling them about your life can be really helpful because when you tell people your story and you see their eyes get bigger and bigger and bigger and they can tell you, wow, that really is a lot to be going through it once or to be dealing with or whatever, I think that it can kind of help us get back to a little bit of reality that, oh, it really is a lot. Like sometimes we try to talk ourselves out of thinking that what we're going through is a big deal because we just like, oh, well, whatever, you know, other people have it harder. There's always somebody that has it harder and we can just kind of try to minimize everything we're going through. And so sometimes letting other people see into and speak into, um, you know, our stories can help maybe just give us another perspective that can be helpful. 
Yes. I think. Yes. Whether we we realize that, wow, what we are going through is a big deal and maybe we should get more help or or just validating how we feel, right? right. Like, mm-hmm. I mean, not only yeah. you do, do we build solidarity with friends when we're going through similar things, but just it helps us mm-hmm. to know that there's mm-hmm. somebody listening to us. There's somebody who yeah. understands us. And maybe if they don't understand us, at least they're listening. Yeah. All right. Well, um, anything else that you want to share that helped you? Before yeah, we you know, I think that another thing that that has really been a process but has been helpful and healing for me is just making new friends again. I um I I love people. The church that we were a part of um before we left that sent us out. I loved those people dearly and I missed them so much and I loved my I love my family and I just, I love people. Mm-hmm. And so when we moved down there, like I did not hold back from loving the people that we were working with. Like I just, I loved them so much and it didn't even take effort. Like I just, it was easy and I just, I loved them in every way. And, um, but when we had to leave and move back, it hurt so much that I felt like I went from being a sea anemone with all of its tentacles like open and uh-huh. waving in the water to closing up and like pulling everything in. And I just couldn't, con- I couldn't allow myself to attach to people for a long time because the potential for future separation just made me never want to get close to people again because it had been so hard to say goodbye to people again. You know, it was hard to say goodbye to people when we left here. And then it was hard to say goodbye to people when we left there. And so when we came back and we, you know, ended up back at a different church, you know, our old original church where we'd gotten married. And it took me a long time to um, to want to get, like to be willing to open my heart to people again because I didn't want anybody to love me because I didn't want anybody to cry when I left and I didn't want, like, I just, I just kind of stayed emotionally distant from people for quite a while. And, um, but then, you know, I would meet and become friends with people like you at school that, um, that, you know, we could connect about our experiences living in, in other places and moving back and, Mm -hmm. um, and that was meaningful. And then a couple of years ago, somebody who's another mutual friend of ours invited me to a book study that she was hosting at her house. And I went and I realized that, wow, all of these women are people that I, you know, didn't really know at that point. Um, and it was an opportunity to make new friends. And so just being brave enough to do that and not just fall back on my old friends that I had before we left. Yeah. Find being, will, being healing enough to be able to make new friends again, um, has been a really good thing. So that and therapy. <laughs> friends and friends and therapy. Yes. I love that. Therapy. Yeah. That's yes. great advice. And, yeah. 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 Okay, so we have a couple of questions that we wanted you to pick from. Um, and 
and for our audience, we have questions like, how does your time abroad continue to flavor your life? What rhythms do you have in place? What do you do with all these memories and relationships and love for the place and the people, you know? And then do you have a favorite funny story? Um, So what do you want to share with us? Okay. So I think I'm going to go with what do you do with all the feels? Because that's, you know, sort of a theme in my life. What do you do with all the feels? So... (laughs) With your 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 sea and enemy, yes, legs. yes, right, <laughs> exactly, yeah. And um, I would say one of one of the things that I would say I've done with the memories and the relationships and the love, all the the love that I feel still for people is um, I might end up, you know, I've done lots of journaling. I did lots and lots of journaling while we were there and when we came back, and I might take all of that and um, put it into a book someday because I just, I, I, I want to do that. And um, things like eating Peruvian food and I, and every year at Christmas, we hang up our Peruvian Christmas ornaments and I put out my Peruvian um, nativity sets that I, you know, bought when we were there. And um like, so all those little things are fun and we eat panetón at Christmas time, which is, you know, a big per- tradition in Peru, even though it's actually an Italian bread. Um, but one of the things I think that also has been super helpful with about all the feelings and stuff is for me was when I learned how to recognize my little mini grief cycle and just learning how to grieve because there's a lot to grieve when you move away from a place or people that you love. And, you know, whether it's when you're going to the place overseas or when you're coming back from being abroad, there's, you know, anytime you go through transitions, there's grief. And I learned about myself that when that grief would kind of like start bubbling up from like inside of me And at first it would just make me grumpy Hmm. and irritable. And I would just get annoyed with my family or with, you know, whatever. I would just be grumpy and not not for any particular reason. And then at some point I would finally realize, oh, wait, I'm not angry. I think I'm sad about something. But as these emotions were like surfacing from, you know, like maybe from my gut up to my heart, I would realize, okay, I'm sad about something, but I don't know what yet. Hmm. I would feel the grief before I even knew what was it that I'm sad about. I don't even know. I just know I'm sad about something. And then finally it would rise high enough to be up like up to my head where all of a sudden I would think of whatever the thing was that I was sad about and I would start crying, like get teary and then realize, oh, that's what it is. That's what I'm missing right now. And like when it would finally hit my brain, then I could let myself cry (laughs) and I could let myself just feel the feels. I think that was one of the most important things that I got from the therapist I was seeing at that point when we came back was just, you know, when there's grief to feel it, not to try to stuff it and not to try to shut it down, but just to go ahead and feel it. And, mm-hmm. um, that that was part of, of the way to process it was just to not put it away. And, um, so, but it was always, it was really helpful when I finally recognized that cycle, because then when I was grumpy, I would ask myself earlier in the process, like, okay, wait, is there something else going on? <laughs> 
because, you know, it yeah. there often was. And instead of just wondering, what is wrong with everybody around me? <laughs> I was like, oh, no, I'm just sad about something and I don't know what it is yet. <laughs> so. That's so interesting that yeah. your, your body and your emotions um, tell you. Yeah. That you're sad. Oh, and the other piece of that that I have to mention too is that almost every time that I would be sad about something, it's like the part of the logical part of my brain does not understand and would try to talk me out of it and try to, it's like, oh, but it's fine, you know, this, that, or whatever. Or like, what really is wrong with you? And it's like I would have these, like, this battle of the, you know, my brain and my heart and like this little logical robotic professor part of my brain trying to explain why it was really all fine and you know just learning to tell that part to be quiet because its job is not to feel its job is to make decisions and it doesn't matter if that part of my brain doesn't understand why this hurts so much because that part doesn't have to understand (laughs) the part of my brain and my heart that feels the things that's its job and even now, like going through these stories and trying to decide what was I going to talk about and whatever, like it stirs up all of these feelings and and stuff again. And we did a couple of years after we moved back, we did get to go back and visit people and we got to see our dog again. And um, oh, it was just so good. It was such a sweet, sweet trip. And we had so much fun. And there have been a couple of times within those first two years back that, um, one of the families um, got to come and see us here, oh, actually, also, which so, was so, so, so cool. Precious time. Yeah. So stirring up all these memories and everything, it just reminds me that even if I'm not on a super regular basis reaching out to people, it doesn't mean that I don't still love them. Because when I think of them, I still miss them. And I still... Mm-hmm wish that, you know, I could be with them. And, um, and it's so even though it, there's part of me that's like, oh, it still aches a little bit, that that ache, in some ways, yeah. is kind of precious at this point, because it's sort of proof that, okay, yeah, I really did love those people in that place. And I still do. And so the fact that it still kind of hurts is okay, yeah. that that part is never probably going to go away. Um, because yeah, and I don't if really want it to. You. I don't want to stop loving those people in that place where we were. And so it's okay. Yeah. So Melissa, we're almost done. And what is a last, what's the lasting word of encouragement or advice that you can give to our listeners? My last little tidbit of advice or encouragement is just to know that it's okay and it's normal for transitions to be hard and messy and exhausting. That getting used to new cultures or coming back to your old culture, knowing everything about culture shock or transition shock or, you know, culture adjustment, whatever they want to call it these days, knowing everything about it doesn't mean it's not going to be hard. Just like knowing that a pool of water or a lake is icy cold and telling yourself that ahead of time doesn't mean that when you jump in, it's not going to take your breath away. Hmm. Jumping into a new culture or jumping back into an old culture is going to take your breath away, even if you're prepared (laughs) mentally, but that's okay. (laughs) And you'll survive. (laughs) 
And it's, you know, that's, um, that we need people and not to try to do these things alone, but that, you know, we can, you can do it. It's, it'll take time, but you can do it. Yeah. Si se puede. That's right. (laughs) Amen. (laughs) (laughs) Melissa, thank you so much for, for being interviewed and telling your stories about your time in Peru and your transition back to the United States. And I know that um, many people can relate to what you're saying and have been encouraged by it. Thank you. So thank you so much. Thank you. As we land this interview, we hope that you have been inspired by Melissa's stories. She shared that sometimes our time abroad does not go as planned and the return home is affected by a heart-wrenching decision to leave. We come home in pieces. Over time, we can get put back together with self-care, like knowing our own grief cycle, seeking professional help and therapy, making new friendships, and allowing ourselves to love deeply once again. No matter what leg of the journey you're on, we are grateful you have brought us along with you. Thanks so much for listening, friends. We will see you next time. Come back next time for a Round Trip Stories Customs episode, where we'll reminisce, laugh, and converse about a random topic related to customs and culture. Want to be part of future conversations? Join our email list and get the podcast equivalent of TSA PreCheck, including a sneak peek at upcoming customs topics and an invitation to share your thoughts. We'd love to hear from you. See the link in the show notes to sign up. Thanks so much for listening, friends. We'll see you next time.